You are listening to Past and Present, the Colonial Williamsburg podcast. Welcome back to the Past and Present podcast. I'm Rachel West. Today with me, I have Buck Woodard, who oversees the American Indian Initiative, to talk about Return of the Cherokee. This runs June 1st through the 5th here at Colonial Williamsburg with a lot of very special programming. Thanks for joining me, Buck. Thanks for having me. So what is Return of the Cherokee? Return of the Cherokee is a, almost a week of programming that commemorates the perennial visits of Cherokee people to this colonial capital. They came in large numbers in the 18th century uh, from almost the beginning of the time that the capital moved from Jamestown to Williamsburg, the Cherokee were engaged in trade and diplomacy, sometimes fighting with, sometimes fighting against Virginians. Uh, and they came to Williamsburg as, as part of that uh, historical interaction, sometimes as delegations, other times uh, in trade, other times as students. So Return to the Cherokee Week is an opportunity for us to have the Cherokee come back to Williamsburg, participate in some of our historical interpretations and offer some education to the guests about native peoples of the South. So since you oversee the American Indian Initiative, what does that entail? What is the American Indian Initiative? That's a really good question, Rachel. I would say that the American Indian Initiative is a civic engagement. It's a, a project that's been uh, ongoing now for over a decade. But to answer you succinctly, I've pulled the mission statement right now from our social media uh, to be able to share with, with you and the guests. Let me read that for you. The American Indian Initiative develops, implements, and supports programming, activities, and projects through foundation-wide partnerships with American Indian communities, native-focused institutions, scholars, and individuals that support cultural relevancy, accuracy, and period appropriateness for 18th century Williamsburg. What kind of programming can guests expect to see when they come visit? Well, for the first part of the week, we're going to have uh, an Indian encampment. We've invited members of the Eastern Band of Cherokee, members of the Cherokee Nation of Oklahoma, and members of the Kadua Band of Cherokee, also in, in Oklahoma, to come and demonstrate some of their material culture at the camp. So the, for the first part of the week, it'll be an opportunity for guests to see basket making, weaving, wood carving, uh, and also to talk about just the historical culture of the Cherokee people during the 18th century from the perspective of women, of headmen. Uh, and warriors and for guests to get a flavor of what Cherokee life might have been like in the 18th century. So it's a real personal, intimate interaction, smaller scale. As we build towards the weekend, a larger delegation will be coming up from North Carolina from the uh, Eastern Band of Cherokee. That's part of a collaboration we have with the Museum of the Cherokee Indian. Typically we have about 15 contractors, but as in the 18th century, they travel with their families. So. Upwards of 30 or 40 men and women will be in Williamsburg again. At that time, uh, we'll have larger public presentations of song and dance and an opportunity for guests to participate in those songs and dances, whether they're on the Palace Green or on the Courthouse Green, um, and have sort of a larger scale Cherokee presence in the historic area. Where is the Indian encampment located? This year, the Indian encampment is on the corner of Nicholson and Botetot streets, adjacent to the military encampment. It's a small footprint, several lean-to arbors and sheds. Um, it's meant to represent a temporary camp in the historic area. At times, somewhere between 30 or 40 
100, 150, 200 Cherokees would be in Williamsburg. It's a larger group of people than can really stay at the governor's advanced buildings or in a tavern. So they would create camps in the historic area. It may have been in Mr. Purdy's field. It may have been at the magazine. Other references suggest the capital. So we've selected a, a pasture next to the military camp to represent that location where they would have been loaned tents from the magazine and probably would have pulled together some lean-to structures or temporary structures for them to stay while they're here. So it's, a, it's meant to be less about the chief men and more about the common people and what their camp might be like. So there'll be fires lit, there'll be kettles on, food will be being prepared, um, you know, so folks can hear the sights, the sounds, and the smells of what that camp might have been like. There's another program you're doing called In the Footsteps of Diplomats. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. In the Footsteps of Diplomats is a one-time-a-year program that's a walking tour um, that we start at the Bradford and Indian School on the historic campus of the College of William and Mary, and we take a small number of guests up the Duke of Gloucester Street and pick specific locations along that walk to talk more in-depth about the history of Cherokee people being in Williamsburg. So. Uh, for those guests that want to be a little bit more engaged in the historical aspect of Cherokee presence or to really think about the different types of sites that Cherokee people may have engaged, the colonial um, population, so like the Indian school uh, or, you know, one of the taverns or a location where they had a dinner and a talk or maybe where Thomas Jefferson heard the great chiefs of the Cherokee speak. Uh, those locations will be highlighted uh, and that history more fully explained. So it's a walking tour that usually runs about 45 minutes to an hour and goes from one end of our historic campus to the other. I know there's a big event called the Public Dance that draws a lot of visitors to come see. Yes. What happens during that Public Dance? Well, the Public Dance is our signature event for the weekend. In the 18th century, more than once, the Cherokee would come and offer the citizenry of Williamsburg a public dance as a type of reciprocity. When they came, they would often be given a large number of gifts as part of the diplomatic exchange. This was their way of giving something back uh, to the Virginians in a uh, orchestrated symbolic gesture. So it's a, the, the peace and the war dance are two sides of, of the same thing. So uh, the Cherokee, when they arrive now in Williamsburg, will begin their program with their their war dance. It's also a welcome dance. It's this, it's a similar type of dance with a different context. It's a fantastic presentation. The Museum of the Cherokee Indians, Warriors of Anagadua, return to Williamsburg and really offer the crowd uh, a, a, a marvelous presentation of Cherokee culture, song and dance. Um, it draws maybe 1,100 people, 1,500 people, uh, and the men will come out carrying the war cry, and they will present themselves on the palace screen on Saturday in full paint. Um, once that dance is concluded, and it's very imposing, uh, they'll begin have uh, a bit of a narration about the peace and the war dance, and then they'll move into their social dances, which are sometimes called animal dances, and they're more crowd participation uh, in orientation. So they'll go off and find partners for whether it be the horse dance or the buffalo dance or the bear dance, and they will invite the crowd to come and participate. And the songs go along with the types of dances, so the songs are talking about the activities of the bear, and the dances mimic the activities of the bear. So young folks, uh, families generally have a lot of fun, and there's a lot of jocularity, 
terms of Indian humor and, and discussion in the crowd. Um, and people, you know, will come out and, and if, the, if the weather's good, we'll have a, have a, a good dance for about an hour or so. So it's a, it's a, real, it's a real crowd pleaser uh, and a chance to hear rare Cherokee social presentations uh, in a non-Cherokee space. So a great interactive experience for people who come visit. Interactive, for those that want to participate, they can. For those that want to stand back and watch uh, to see, um, you know, the painted warriors offer their presentation. The group is called the Warriors of Anagadua, and they're the official cultural ambassadors for the Cherokee um, in North Carolina. So they've been practicing and working on these types of public presentations now for, for over a decade. And it's a, it can be very startling uh, for people not familiar. But for those that uh, can be a little bit of a risk and go out and um, join them on stage, as it were, because it'll be in the middle of the, of the palace green, of the courthouse green. They may, and uh, they can be, be a part of the story. I know there are probably some people who are thinking, oh, I don't think I could do that. And then, but once they hear the music and they see what's happening, they're going to want to jump right in there. The songs, uh, the sounds of the drum and the rattles, uh, it can really conjure up a spirit in the crowd. And uh, usually they're towards the end of, of the afternoon there'll be a, a rather large crowd participation dance that people who've been sort of standing back and waiting and watching may choose to go ahead and be a part of it if they can. You mentioned some other groups were coming into town for this special event. Are there any special guest performers that are going to be here as well as the others that are coming? Well, we have uh, our, our full-time employee interpreters, and within the last two years, we've I've uh, been really fortunate to hire um, one member of the Eastern Band of Cherokee. But we don't have a, a special performance uh, with like a visiting guest artist or anything of that nature this year. But it, it is notable that we have now, for this um, cycle of Return of the Cherokee Week, members from all three federal tribes. So the Eastern Band of Cherokee from North Carolina, um, members from the Cherokee Nation of Oklahoma, and members of the Kadua Band of Cherokee. That's really the first time all members of all three groups have been back in the colonial capital since the period of Indian removal in the 19th century. So it's incredible. Symbolically, I think it's, it's substantive that we've uh, taken it to this next level of participation from um, a larger Cherokee population. That must be a proud moment for you. We're all really excited. It's really, uh, it's nice to have um, Native nations returning back to colonial Virginia's uh, historic capital. Another program is titled Friends and Brethren, Cherokee Stories and Social Dance. Is that taking place at the Indian encampment or separate, or what does that entail? So we thought it would be great if we could package the public dance performance that has 800, 1,000, 1,500 people. We can't fit that many in the evening program um, around a fireside, but that's what we wanted to try to do. So we're having a another version of the program that focuses a bit more on storytelling, so stories of the Cherokee people, partnered with dances related to those stories. So uh, it may be about the origins when, when the horse first came to Cherokee, and, and then we'll do the horse dance. But it allows the, the audience, the guests, to come and have that fireside experience around the camp at twilight. Uh, in the Indian encampment, so it provides more of an atmosphere. And so for those guests that want to experience that, we have separate tickets available for that evening program that's smaller in scale and, and more intimate. Is there anything else happening during this week that you want people to make sure that they experience and take home with them? Well, there's um, 
an opportunity to come multiple times during the week, whether they wish to see demonstration of Cherokee crafts or to take a, a guided tour that's a little bit more focused on the history or some of these larger cultural presentations. So I think what's important is to know that we have a variety of programming throughout the week uh, at different times and different scales that guests can engage uh, the return of the Cherokee week. Broadly, I would say, though, we have Cherokee interpretation and programming throughout the year. And that's a real big difference than in years past for Colonial Williamsburg. Because of some of our new full-time employee hires, uh, we're able to offer um, Cherokee-focused narratives throughout, throughout the, the, the calendar year. So each week, for instance, we have the Indian Trader Tour. It focuses on the relationship of the Cherokee to the colony of Virginia, particularly with regards to politics, finance, um, and the mechanics of the deerskin and fur trade. So that's a, a, a special um, program that we've now turned into a, a weekly event and weekly program. So while I invite guests to come out for Return of the Cherokee Week, they can come to Colonial Williamsburg and catch uh, native programming throughout the year. Again, the Return of the Cherokee is taking place June 1st through the 5th right here in Williamsburg. Lots of programming. If you want to learn more, please head to colonialwilliamsburg.com where you can hear all of the events that are happening and help plan your trip. Thanks so much for joining me again today, Buck. Ski and Wado. For more information on this podcast, check out our website at podcast.history.org. There you can send your comments or suggestions, and we're always glad to hear from you.